Well, when I was writing the sermon, I thought, you know, this is going to be the most requested sermon of the year for me. In fact, I got to worry about our media team, and I thought they're not even going to be able to handle all of the requests for this sermon uh, to be handed out. Our online numbers are going to skyrocket. They're going to become so large because everybody wants to hear about what I'm going to preach on today. And so I'm so glad you're here. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you came. Because today we're going to talk about fasting. Now, aren't you blessed? Yeah, yeah there ain't nobody going to request this sermon. Yeah, our numbers just fell off online. But anyway, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stay with me for the next 30 minutes. And, and we're going to talk about a subject that no one wants to talk about. And here's my, here's my promise to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure my goal is to stay true to Scripture take human preferences out of it. Some of you have heard some really dogmatic sermons about fasting before. Some of you have never heard anything about fasting. You've never even thought about it. Some of you even wonder if it's still in the Christian community today to be done. We're gonna answer all of that today. My goal is for you to have a clear understanding of what it is and why it is needful in your life, no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey. And it's more than just the health benefits. There is spiritual benefits gonna come from the next 21 days. Can I get a witness from somebody? Uh, listen, I want you to follow along with me, but first, let's have a little history lesson about American history. And for those uh, who watch us from other countries, don't tune me out, lean in, because what I'm talking about has happened here. I pray, well, you will pray, will happen there in the country you're watching from. I don't know how many of you know this because you won't find this in uh, most history books. You're probably not gonna learn about this in school. You're not gonna find it on social media. But do you know that starting in 1768, when the tensions in American colonies started rising between them and England, that leaders spent multiple, took multiple opportunities to call the people to corporate times of prayer and fasting in this country. Now, let me say something right up front. Okay, and everybody leaning in, you're leaning in, shout, I'm here. I want you to hear me while I'm saying this, all right? America is not perfect. America has never been perfect. America has plenty of sins in its past and in its present. But I do want you to capture this, that even among a bunch of sinful people, because that's all God's ever had to work with, amen? Look at your neighbor and tell them, yeah, I see you, that's true. All right, here we go. That's all God's ever had to work with. Here's what I want you to capture. There have been times in this country where society has said, we better humble ourselves and call out upon God or the mess we're gonna continue in is gonna be more than we can handle. It started in 1768 in the most unusual places, Boston. The city of Boston actually called for its citizens to gather together and have a corporate time of prayer and fasting and asking God to intervene on their situations. Following that was the Virginia House of Burgess. And, and so the, the colony of Virginia started calling out upon God in prayer. Then it was followed in South Carolina, Maryland, and Georgia. And by 1775, the Continental Congress called all of the colonies of the Americans to come together and have a day where they cried out to God in prayer and fasting and asked God to move. They did it again in 1779. Then George Washington, the president, on October the 3rd, 1789, called the entire nation to come together for a time of prayer and fasting with thanksgiving unto God. 
Then in 1863, right in the middle of the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln once again called for the entire nation to come together and pray for God to move. And they fasted, seeking God to bring healing in this land that was torn apart, to begin to heal the wounds that the war had brought on. Listen, I'm telling you, the nation's never been perfect, but there's been times that imperfect people have come together and cried out to a perfect God together and said, God, we need you because we have messed this up. Then in 1952, right in the middle of the Korean War, Reverend Billy Graham called upon our nation's leaders and said, we need a national day of prayer and fasting in this country. And I wanna read to you how Billy Graham said it. I mean, it is powerful. And when I read this to you, I'm gonna tell you, this is something we need someone to stand up and say today, so I might as well try it myself. You ready? Here's what Billy Graham said. What a thrilling, glorious thing it would be to see the leaders of our country today kneeling before Almighty God in prayer. How many would agree? That would be pretty powerful today too, not just in 1952. He went on to say this, what a thrill would sweep this country What renewed hope and courage would grip the Americans at this hour of pearl? How many believe that if today men and women called upon God and prayed and fasted for God to move, not only in this country, but in every country of the world, how many believe we'd see a mighty move of God and it would sweep the hearts of this world? I believe that. President Truman believed it on April 17th, 1952, He then took Billy Graham's uh, challenge and he signed a bill proclaiming the National Day of Prayer. In fact, it still happens to this day. It happens in the month of May, even though you don't hear a lot about it. But I want you to know there have been corporate times. We know that prayer is something we all should do, amen? No one in this room or watching online would probably argue about prayer. Romans 12, 12 says this, we should rejoice in hope, We should be patient in tribulation and we should continue steadfastly in prayer. None of us argue about that. 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.17 says we should pray without ceasing. How many know that we should always have a spirit of prayer down deep in our hearts? But listen to this. We need to do more than just pray. Sometimes we need to do some fasting. When you open your Bibles, Acts chapter two, verse 42, as you know, we're preaching through the book of Acts this year. And um, Acts chapter two, 42, we've been here for a few weeks. Let's look at the verse together. Online campus, I want you to read with me too. Everyone got your message notes, let's go together. It says, and they, talking about the early disciples, they, what's the next word? Devoted themselves. Anyone remember what the word devoted means here? The word literally means uh, to be uh, loyal to unswervingly loyal to. And what were they unswervingly loyal to? What had they disciplined themselves for? We're talking about disciplines here. Notice it. We've, we've looked at these the last couple of weeks. First of all, to the apostles teaching, somebody shout the word of God. And then to fellowship and the breaking of bread, somebody shout the family of God. And look at this third element here. And to Prayer. Prayer wasn't just something they did half-heartedly and forgot. It was something they were loyal to. They were loyal to the word. They were loyal to the family, and they were loyal to prayer. Now, here's something you need to understand. In the Jewish mind, prayer and fasting went went together. They were 
heads and tails of the same coin. They were salt and pepper, right? You can have one without the other, but they're better together, right? You can have salt with no pepper. You can have pepper with no salt, but how many would agree if you put the two together, it's a little bit better. I'm at a stage of life now where they've cut down my level of salt. I don't like it. So I use a whole lot more pepper. I'm gonna tell you, you can pray without fasting, but every once in a while, you need to add some fasting to your prayer. Amen. And there's a reason. You may say, well, what's, what's this whole deal about fasting? Why does God want me to do away without food? Why does he want me to go around hungry? Well, listen, I can tell you one thing. God is not interested at all in your suffering. That is not what fasting's about at all. How many of you got children? Grandchildren? How many's ever had a two-year-old come to you pouting? My youngest granddaughter, when she pouts, it's so funny. It doesn't matter where you're at. She goes straight on the floor, puts her hands in her head like this, and just lays in the middle of the floor, wherever she's at. And it's like, what is she doing? She's pouting. You know, you look at a pouting child, and you know there's absolutely no reason for them to be pouting. What do you say? Oh, bless their little heart. Right? I mean, he's like, get up. Ain't nothing wrong with you. Come on. I want to tell you something. If you go to God over the next 21 days like that, you know, oh, God. Can you believe our church asked us to fast? I haven't ate in four hours. <laughs> you might just hear a voice from heaven go, bless your little heart. <laughs> That's not what God's interested in. It's not about the what. It's the why and the how. Why are you doing it? And, or, or the what. What are you searching for? What do you want to see God do? Today we're going to answer some of these questions you may have about fasting. Here's what I want to do. I want you to notice that when Acts 2.42 says they were devoted to prayer, it would also mean they were devoted to fasting as well. Remember that the first Christians were Jews. And God had given them clear instructions about days, corporate days of fasting. Not only individual days, but corporate days. Number one on your message notes, here's what I want you to write down. God did this for a purpose. And here's what I want you to understand. Fasting helps us to pray with purpose. Fasting adds purpose to the prayer. Because when you fast, you should be fasting for something intentionally. You shouldn't just fast for no reason. There should be purpose behind it. So here's what God did in the law in the Old Testament. He actually gave them six corporate days for, for fasting. Two of them were major fast, and four of them were minor fast. Now all that means is the time allotment to fasting. Two of the major fasts, here's the first one, it was Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. You see the verse there on your message notes out of Leviticus 23. God tells them to, at that particular day every year, they were to come together with self-denial to fast and they were to seek the Lord. Why were they fasting? What was the purpose? They were to come to God, watch this, in repentance of sin that they could not cleanse themselves from. Realizing that they were guilty of sin they could not cleanse themselves from, they had to accept the substituted blood of an innocent lamb over for them. And what turned out from what started out with mourning over sin ended in celebration that God had forgiven them through the blood of a lamb. What does that sound like, ladies and gentlemen? That sounds like what you and I are supposed to do when we come to Christ. We come to God with repentance and sorrow over our sin, knowing we can't cleanse ourselves. But Jesus is the lamb of God who took away our sins and we put our faith and trust in him. Now you've got an Old Testament fast that we see clearly in the doctrine of salvation. There was a purpose here. 
The second one was Tish B'Av, and uh, it was a fast of mourning uh, for the two temples, the Temple of Solomon and the Temple of Herod that got destroyed, and it was a terrible moment in Israel's history, and God said, I want you to, or they, they developed this fast to come and to fast with mourning over something terrible that had happened. Now, here's the deal. Major fast started like this. You started fasting at sundown on the night before the day of fast, and you fasted until sundown of the day of, in other words, about 24 hours. Minor fast were a little different. They fasted on a minor fast from sun up to sundown, same day, 12 hours. And look with me at Zechariah uh, chapter 8, verse 19 on your message notes, and you'll see here the four fasts and how they're different than the two major fasts. You ready? The Lord of armies says this, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the 10th will become, watch this, watch this. Some of you ain't gonna believe this is in the Bible. You gotta read it for yourself. Ready, go. Times of, now what is that word? What's that word? See, some of y'all didn't believe it so much you whispered it. What's that word? Times of joy. And look at this. Times of gladness and of cheerful festivals in the house of Judah. He goes on to say, therefore love, truth, and peace. And listen, here's God saying, Four of the six feasts, you should come to God's house in a spirit of celebration and rejoicing. You say, why is that? How does anybody ever come to church when they're in a time of fasting happy? How many of you ever get hangry? Grumpy? Look at every hand that just went up and say, God's gonna work on you over the next 21 days. You are forced to come to church happy or they're not letting you in the door. No, Jesus, you can still come in. We'll just pray over you when you get in. Here we go. Why was it celebrations? These four minor feasts all are attached to a moment in Jewish history when God moved mightily for the nation. For one example, one of the minor fasts was over the events of the book of Esther. One of them was Gedaliah, a governor who took over after the Babylonian exile and took care of the Jewish people. And two of them were for the temples that were built. And so here are four fasts. It wasn't a fast of mourning or repentance. These were a fast of celebrations. It was God saying, you need to put some food away and you need to sacrifice yourself a little bit so you can come and just focus a little more on what I have already done in your past because how many know focusing on what God's done in the past builds your faith for what God might do in your future? How many believe we'd all be better off every once in a while to stop eating and start praising a little more and remembering what God has done in our past? So four of the six feasts were celebration feasts, or fast feasts. I'm wanting to eat too. Fast. <laughs> four of the six fasts were celebration fast. We know that fasting has not only been corporate, but it's also been individualistic. Moses fasted and prayed. David fasted and prayed. Daniel fasted and prayed. We know that the church was fasting and praying when he called Paul and Barnabas out for the first missionary journey. But if you need more than that, you need someone to prove to you that fasting is part of Christianity even, you don't have to look any further than the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous sermon, Matthew chapter six. In fact, how many believe God's got a sense of humor? 
I believe God's got a great sense of humor. In this sermon, Jesus tackles two of the three things everybody hates preachers to talk about. You ready? Matthew chapter six, I love this. Look at it there, it's on your message notes. I gave it to you. I wonder, here we go. And whenever you, next word. <laughs> Nobody gets excited when you talk about giving in church, highs and offerings, right? Jesus said, whenever you give, whenever you pray, and whenever you, third word, fast. And here's what I want you to capture. Look up here. These are not stated from Jesus as three great suggestions. These are three great expectations. We don't care about the middle one. We're okay with that one, right? The prayer thing, that's pretty easy. We all know we should pray. We don't like the bookends. But how many know you gotta have all three to make a good sandwich, right? You gotta have it all together. Here's what God is doing. Uh, and then you ask the question, okay, what about first century Christians? Did they follow this practice after they were saved and left Judaism? <laughs> you may not really want me to answer this. Because Christians didn't do away with fasting after they left Judaism. You say, well, the Jews made them fast six days a week, or six times a year, rather. Fast six times a year. You know what first century Jewish historians tell us about this group called Christians in the first 100 years of the church? That the first Christians kept on fasting, but they added to it. And the average New Testament Christian actually fasted two times a week. Every Wednesday, every Friday, according to Jewish history. Now, no one has to go out of here today and say, Pastor Chris says now we gotta start fasting every Wednesday and every Friday. I'm not saying that at all because scripture doesn't teach us that we have to. That's what history tells us Christians did. Understand the difference here. They did it because they wanted to seek the face of God and for God to use them. And how many of us can argue when you go back and read the book of Acts and see these Christians who are fasting and praying twice a week how many of us can argue with what God did through this group of people? God moved through them, didn't he? How many believe God always moves through people who actually are serious about seeking his face and wanting him to move in their lives? That's all fasting is, folks. It's not about what you give up, it's about why you give it up. It's about what are you doing when you give something up during this 21 days? What are you gonna do? Are you just gonna go around going, I sure am hungry? Or are you gonna use that time to go to God in prayer, seek his face, and ask God to move? See, here's what I want you to understand. Number one, it's a, it brings, it, it, there's a purpose behind it, but number two, it brings us into alignment with God and his will. That's what God is looking for. He wants us to come into alignment with him. You see, fasting creates an appetite. Whatever you fast, it has to become something that is actually is something you actually desire to do or to receive. It's gotta create an appetite because the appetite, watch this, acts like an alarm clock and whenever it comes around that you want that, ding, 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 the alarm clock goes off and says, now you want this. And the question comes, what are you gonna do to satisfy the alarm clock? What are you gonna do to satisfy the appetite? Are you gonna give in to the flesh? Or if you're sacrificing something there, will you go in the spirit and get into the presence of God and align your heart with his and seek God more fervently than you normally would? Go to fasting times when the alarm goes off and spend time with God through reading his word, through prayer, and through worship. Get alone with God. So for an example, you're gonna fast lunch. 
Let's say you decide on lunch. Because here in a moment, I'm gonna shock some of you because you're gonna realize how unlegalistic we're gonna be about this. You're gonna say, I'm gonna fast lunch for the next 21 days. I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna eat breakfast, I'm gonna fast lunch, and I'm gonna use my lunchtime, and I'm gonna seek the face of God. Listen, you eat lunch every day at 12 o'clock. I promise you, after you say, I'm gonna fast lunch, here's what's gonna happen. At 10.30 on the job, your belly's gonna growl louder than it has ever growled in your life. At 10.45, you're gonna swear your blood sugar is dropping. (laughs) At 10.58, you still got an hour and two minutes to go before lunch even comes, you're gonna be calling your coworkers and saying, I've got the worst migraine I've ever had in my life. I'm about to die. I gotta have some food. And that's when you go look in the mirror and you say, devil, get behind me. (laughs) Because your brain and your flesh is attacking your heart at that moment. You need to understand this. You're not going to die. All right, watch this. Why do you fight a spiritual battle? Because Satan does not want you to go spend time alone seeking the Father. So you need to be prepared for spiritual warfare. We're gonna tell you here at Connection Point Church that food is and has been the most dominant way of fasting that you find all the way into the history of scripture. It has always been food. And for some of you, that is exactly what God is gonna call you to fast because it's something you love, you enjoy, and there may be a certain meal of the day, or you may do the Jewish fast, a 12-hour fast every day, or you may do a Daniel fast and do away with sugars and meat. And in this little booklet we've written for you, we describe all kinds of different types of fast. And we have one per family for you today, or you can download it off on off our website as an ebook. We describe all kinds of fast, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what you're gonna find in here also. There's also some non-food fast in here because there are some of you who eat like a bird. You don't eat because you enjoy it. You eat to survive. And if you give up food, no alarm clock goes off because you don't like eating to begin with. And you can go all day without eating and it never call you back to prayer. I don't understand you, (laughs) but I know they're out there. I've met some of you. All right? (laughs) I'm telling you, yes, food has been the predominant way of fasting, but I don't think the Holy Spirit's gonna say it's the only way of fasting. I'll tell you, here's what my conviction is. In the first century, they didn't have a cell phone strapped to their side with social media dinging every 30 seconds. They didn't have a television set with cable networks all over the world they could watch. They didn't have all of the different distractions you and I struggle with every single day. So here's what I'm gonna tell you. If it's food, great. But if it's something other than food, you find something that will sound an alarm and you take that time instead of gratifying your flesh, you go to God in the word, you go to God in prayer, you go to God in worship and you ask God to help you grow deeper in your walk with him and to put your faith in action. Here's what I want you to ask. Here's what I want you to pray for. Ask him to let you start feeling a burden for what he's burdened for. See people the way he sees people. Hear what the spirit's gotta say. Have a heart to do the work God's called you to do. Align yourself up with the Father. I would dare say for some of you, if you fasted all your social media outlets for 21 days 
at the end of 21 days, you'd be much more healthy mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I believe if the Apostle Paul lived today, he would have added social media and technology into the scriptures. I don't believe he would have said only food. I believe he said some of you need social media would be do more for your spiritual and mental health than giving up food all day long. And that's just one example. I'm telling you, my prayer for you as your pastor is I want you to get along with God today and ask him what he's wanting you to give up. And you may change it up halfway through the week. You may change it up week to week. I don't care. You may start out small and increase it if you've never fasted before. If you've got medical conditions, you need to talk to your doctor before you do a food fast. So you may wanna do a non-food fast. I'm just saying this to you. I'm telling you, the purpose behind fasting is not what you give up, but why you give it up and what you're gonna do in the moment, getting along with God. If you just go without food and you're not spending time growing in your faith and praying and seeking God, you didn't do anything other than make yourself miserable. There wasn't anything spiritual that came from that. It's not about sacrifice. It's about purpose. In fact, I'm gonna show you a proof to this in this classic passage out of Isaiah 58. Here's what God says. Will the fast I choose be like this, a day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed, and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is that what God wants? God wants a bunch of Christians walking around miserable and letting everybody else know they're miserable? No, that's not what the goal is at all. Isn't this the fast he said I choose? To break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke. Isn't what God's wanting is for us to get our hearts aligned with his heart and us to get broken for what God is broken for and let's take the good news of the gospel out into the streets and meet some needs and see souls saved and lives changed and relationships restored and generational curses broken? Isn't that what God is wanting to see happen out of our prayer time? I believe it is. Look at the next passage. He says, and is this not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the poor and the homeless into your house and to clothe the naked uh, when you see him and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? What is he saying? He's saying it's time for us to pray and fast so we can put our faith into action because the world needs to see less people call themselves Christian and a whole lot more people living like Jesus. Is that too hard? Y'all good? I ain't apologizing, I'm just asking. Here we go, <laughs> verse eight. Then your light will appear like the dawn. Your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. How many want that today? So much. Look at the next verse, let's read it out loud together. Ready, online campus, I want you to go and join us, come on. At that time, God says, when you call, what will God do? The Lord will answer. And when you cry out, what will God say? Here I am. And if you get rid of the yoke among you, that finger pointing and the malicious speaking, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like the noonday. How many would say, God, that's what we want today. We want our light to shine. Amen. So what are we asking of you over the next 21 days? I'm asking you to get along with God and to truly pray. Line yourself up with him. You know, we got a lot of things coming up. It says, a church, I need you to pray over. We got the Bollinger County campus that we want uh, to do right by. We've never started a multi-campus. We're not just gonna go down there and throw a church service up. 
We want the people of Bollinger County to know that Connection Point is committed, that we care, that we're there to be a part of the community. We want to see people saved and lives changed and marriages restored and, and generational curses broken. We want them to find freedom in Jesus. And when we do start the services, we want them to go in there and feel there the same atmosphere we have here. And we want them to know that God is going to use them in a great and mighty way. And that needs a lot of prayer. And there's going to be a lot of work to be done uh, this year for that to happen. We, we need to continually be working here with these parking lots. They've, they've laid the, the electrical lines, getting ready for the power poles. We're kind of waiting now for asphalt companies to open back up and tell you what, guys, we need every spot of parking right now, amen? We're constantly looking for new ways to help you get through the lobby and through kids' check-ins and check-outs and yet not not endanger your kids at all. We're gonna keep all our safety procedures running smoothly, but we're trying to constantly find ways to maneuver you because we're so crowded. And, and, and we're gonna thank God for it. And we're not, it's never a problem, it's a blessing. Can I get an amen from somebody? We're larger now as a congregation than we've ever been. And since June, uh, January 1, we keep setting new record attendances. God just keeps blessing the church. And I don't know what all he's up to. We just want him to do a work among us. We want him to keep doing whatever he's doing. We don't want to get in his way. So we're just, God, whatever we can do. And I want to tell you, this year, uh, last year you gave $575,000 on Mad Sunday. This year we're going to raise it up a little. And today I'm announcing to you, we're going to shoot for $600,000 this year. And even that number won't, won't pay for everything we need to do down at the Bollinger County campus or even here finishing out the parking lots and trying to do whatever we can to make some outdoor space for the crowds to gather or whatever we can do here. But it'll get us started. Right now, we need another 2.2 million just to do what we need to do for preschool and first grade age groups and nursery because we're so overcrowded in there. But thank God families are still coming. You keep bringing those babies. We'll keep loving on them and telling them about Jesus. Amen? And I don't know what God's gonna lay on your heart, but I need you to pray about it. What does God want you to do on Mass Sunday? You know, if a 1,000 of us gave $600, we'd be all right. Not all of you can give 600, maybe not once, but maybe you can do it in a pledge between now and December 31st. Some of you can give 6,000, some of you can give 16,000, some of you can give 60,000, but it's all different. And you know what? God's not gonna judge your giving by someone else's. What God wants is for you to get along with him and you get a number from him and let God speak to it. And let's see what God will do in the end. And I promise you this, no matter what that number comes in at, we're gonna give Jesus the praise when the day is done, amen? If we hit the go, don't hit the go, doesn't matter because it's an offering given out of people's love and we're gonna give Jesus the praise. All I'm asking you to do is get along with God. We need volunteers because of our growth. Since Christmas, we've grown nearly 200 people. I'm telling you, this is amazing to me. We now need, we thought we were good on volunteers. I could, we can use volunteers in every position. Some of you need to be praying about that. Where could God use you to serve? Maybe you need to serve down at Bollinger County. Maybe you need to serve here. How many believe God's gonna do a work here that only Jesus gets credit for? All I'm asking you to do over the next 21 days is to get in his presence and let God speak to you about your role in all of this. And, and if you wanna know how to pray for your pastor and your staff, pray we don't mess it up. That's what I tell them all the time. Let's don't mess this thing up, y'all. Let's stay out of the way and let the Holy Spirit keep doing what the Holy Spirit's doing. Amen? Will you pray with us for 21 days?
Number three, I'm gonna tell you where this is gonna lead. Fasting done right leads to joy. You say, how's there joy when it comes to fasting? Well, remember, four of the six corporate fasts that God gave the Jewish was celebration fast, right? Fast of joy. You know why there should be joy when we fast? Because how many believe God still hears and answers the prayers of his people? Let me see some hands. Our online campus, go ahead and put hands up. How many believe God still hears and answers the prayers of his people? How many believe you can't outdo God, ask God, or outgive God? So if you and I get serious, what's God gonna do this year? I'll tell you what, whatever he does, we'll come in here rejoicing and giving God the praise and our prayers and our fasting will turn to joy as we see God move, amen? Because can I tell you something? There's a promise for us. I want you to write this down, the big takeaway is that God has given us a promise in scripture of what he'll do if we'll pray and fast with the right motive. On your message notes, I give to you Jeremiah chapter 29. I want you to take that message note and I wanna ask you to stand with me. And together on the count of three, we're gonna read this out loud together. Because this is what I believe. I believe this with all my heart. This is the promise of scripture that if we pray and we fast with the right heart and the right motives, here's what I believe God will do. Let's take God at his word today on the count of three. Ready? One. Two, three, let's read. You will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart and I will be found by you. How many want God to? find you in these 21 days. He says, I'll be found by you.